when you look at it on face value and you look at the beautiful scenery, etc., it looks beautiful. Mm. But when you look beyond, especially if you're riding around on a, a scooter, mm. so you actually see these things and you smell the things, that is when I realized that, wait a minute, we've got a big problem. Not only do we have a problem worldwide, South Africa's got their own problem, their mm. own issues. Hi, I'm Melanie Walker and this is Grounded. If gardening is your passion, this is the place to be to find out about what's happening in the gardening world. Yeah, another episode of Grounded. And today we're going to be looking more at the green side of things. We're not talking about specifically gardening, but how you can be environmentally conscious. And it's something that comes up quite a lot with we eco-warriors. And uh, we go out and tell people not only should you be planting things that are endemic or indigenous, although we're not exactly those Nazis that say you can't have exotic plants, but it's also about things about water and about rubbish and about all these different things that you should be changing in your lifestyle specifically. Now, have you found many magazines and things like that around that have got all of this information for you? No. You might find some stuff here and there in various magazines, but we need one go-to place where we can find out everything that we need and how to live an environmentally friendly lifestyle. So to come in and tell us a bit about her journey to being eco-friendly and balanced, we have the publisher of a magazine which is coming up in the not-too-distant future, Eco Balanced Lifestyle Magazine, and it's Anthea Campbell. Thanks for coming in. Thank you, Melanie. Okay, tell me, who is Anthea? Where did Anthea come from? Anthea is just a simple girl who feels very strongly about a lot of issues and things, mm -hmm. but just really at the end of the day, a very simple-minded person. Have you always been a bit of an eco-warrior? We like to call them that. <laughs> to be honest, no. It was always somebody else's problem. Mm-hmm. Until one day, it just like hit home that I am part of that problem. I need to be seen out there for myself and for um, an example to many people that we need to make a difference. Mm. And how did you think that you could make a difference? What made you think, hang on a second, what I'm doing is wrong? Because I know that there's so many of us who sit there and go, it's not my problem. I do my little bit. I don't, you know, go and throw litter on the floor or it's all of those other people who make all of this mess. It's got nothing to do with me. How did you come to the realization that, in fact, you could be doing a lot more? Quite often we all face this. We drive in the traffic, we see the person throwing the cigarette butt out the car. Mm. We see the person throwing the Coca-Cola or the can out the window mm. or rubbish. And you're stuck in an environment that you can't actually get out of your car and go and sort it out. You want to bet? <laughs> <laughs> Some of us do do that. <laughs> Say, excuse me, I think you dropped this. <laughs> okay, but if you're driving, obviously not. So that started like affecting me in a small way mm. in the very beginning of my wanting to make a change. And then what happened was some time ago, we went on a trip, and that was August last year, to Bali. And not only Bali did I notice it there, but previous times in Phuket, etc. So what happened was going to Bali, driving around this magnificent, this beautiful island, and just 
devastated at the filth, the absolute filth that is hidden. When you look at it on face value and you look at the beautiful scenery, etc., it looks beautiful. Mm. But when you look beyond, especially if you're riding around on a, a scooter, mm. so you actually see these things and you smell the things and so you're so much more in touch. That is when I realized that, wait a minute, we've got a big problem. Not only do we have a problem worldwide, South Africa's got their own problem, their mm. own issues. There was also a time that we see the guys on the side of the road, they're collecting the plastics, etc. But that's also causing another issue, another problem that needs to be resolved. And how can householders... If you're giving out your plastics to the guys that are coming to collect, mm. great idea, great initiative. But the problem is the householders aren't actually doing their recycling correctly. So what is happening is that the bottles, let's use it as an example, the plastic bottles, nobody's taking off the labels. So there goes another problem. What does the guy do? He takes it to some little place in the bush, goes and cleans out at a riverbed, etc. And what he does is he turfs that plastic or the mm. rubbish aside and that now goes into landfill or that goes part of the environment, etc. And this is causing another problem. But it is interesting that you say that the, the, the whole start of it for you was over in Southeast Asia. And they, they do have a huge problem there. There are very few countries where they are extraordinarily aware. And I'd say Singapore is about probably the only one where you're not allowed to chew gum. Yes. <laughs> and it's an incredibly clean city. But that's also just on the surface. And I kept on walking around thinking... I wonder where they put all their rubbish, what their landfills are like, how much recycling are they actually doing there? Because it very cosmetically on the top looks clean, as opposed to, as you said, Phuket, you arrive there. I mean, you're not allowed to even throw toilet paper into the loo. Okay, the tangles of electrical wires just hanging all over the place. And this really does have a huge impact on the environment, even going diving on the reefs in, in Phuket. You're suddenly looking and thinking, but there's nothing to see here. Mm. It's all gone. So it's not just a South African problem. It is a global problem. But why did you decide that to do this route with the Eco Balance magazine, the Lifestyle magazine? Have you been in publishing for a while? I have been in publishing previously. I was in publishing for many years, um, for about 15 years. I did my own publication in terms of educating pharmacy assistants mm -hmm. on how to be better equipped with information when they're dealing with the consumer. So that went very well for many years. Then I got out of that industry and I went into a totally different ball game, and that was promotional gifts. Something that I must be honest with you is um, something that I don't think I want to rush back into, quite <laughs> frankly. I love the clients, but it's a different ball game. Yeah. So now the magazine, um, yes. Eco Balance Lifestyle. So it's not just about being in balance with nature. I keep on thinking eat, pray, love whenever I am with Katut who keeps on going, <laughs> everything must be balance. And being a Libran, it's very difficult. It's a little juggling act trying to get that balance going as well. It's not just about the environment. It's also about the balance within. And you can probably only really have true balance within is when you have got it with your environment as well. I agree with you 100% on that. You know, to have that balance, as you rightly said, you need to have the the wellness side of it. You need to have your lifestyle. When I say wellness and lifestyle, it is 
a wellness to your lifestyle or it's an eco-balance to your lifestyle. It's a change. Mm. People need to make changes in order to better themselves in many aspects, whether it's your being, your well-being, whether it's the way you live, the way you communicate, the way you work. All of these are connected. So your environmental issues are connected to your well-being. Mm. Very much so. Now, obviously, you've done a bit of research into this. And I mean, how does South Africa stack up when it comes to being environmentally aware? I think South Africans would like to believe that they're pretty knowledgeable. Mm. There's a huge following down in the Cape, Western Cape. They're very, very proactive. In fact, I'd even go down as to say Eastern Cape. My issue with this is a lot of the schools, they start the program. Mm-hmm. As I was chatting to some youngsters the other day, they learn a lot at school. They understand the recycling. When they leave school, it's something that's gone, forgotten. Mm-hmm. And that is a problem. So how do we encourage and how do we communicate to people? That is what we need to do within this publication. People are grasping, they're dying for information, they want information at their fingertips. What is happening is that you've got products that or communities that are talking, but nobody knows how, far, where or what. Mm. As an example, somebody posted something on Facebook yesterday with regards to where can they take their bottles. Yes, we've been talking a lot and I've just suddenly gotten onto this whole thing of eco-bricks. Yes. Because I also used to sit there and think, okay, fine, I'm quite happy to give my bottles away to the guys who come in, formal collectors, and now, of course, Pick It Up have also started doing it where you can do recyclables with them. So we've got all of these people who are doing these things. I hadn't even thought about taking labels off. Now I know what I can do with these labels. You take whatever size bottle. I did find out from the people down in the Cape who are running some of these programs. I said, does it have to be a two-liter bottle or can it be any size? And they said, at this stage, any size. So you can take all of those labels, anything that you can't actually recycle. So it isn't glass, it isn't tin, it isn't paper, and it isn't plastic bottles, okay? And you shove it all into the bottle. So all those little bits of plastic, the, the things that you, you know, your, your pulls, and you cut those up and put them in. So everything that would necessarily not go into a compost bin or into the recycling bag I've goes even into the bottle. I've even started cutting up fabric that I'm not going to reuse mm. because it's just like really in shreds. So I've even started cutting up my own fabric and putting it in the bottle because mm. fabric is a huge problem in the landfill because it does have elements of and traces of plastic in it. So there's another issue. Mm. So as much as you can put into the bottles, which would be fantastic, even your disposable razor blades. Yeah. <laughs> you shouldn't be using those. But yes, let's be real. People have a life. Mm. They have had a life before um, changing and recycling and whatever. So we've got to understand that, yes, we are all human and we have all had those lifestyles and we are all wanting to change those lifestyles. So instead of being the hardcore type of person, I believe that it's all slowly, slowly, and mm. we all get to it. Well, I found that also the, the biggest problem, though, was going online and thinking, okay, I want to make these eco bricks. And they're building houses from them. Okay, so, I mean, you fill up your bottles tight, tight, tight. It's really, really strong. Yeah. Where are you supposed to take it? Got well, hold of a few people, and they said, well, we haven't actually started in Johannesburg yet. But I believe that um, there's a, a couple of, uh, I believe, pick and pays that actually you can go to in Rosebank and Cresta, I think, that you can go and actually hand your bottles over, except a friend of mine went there and nobody knew what she was talking about. So 
the more we make people aware and we get this together and we help the people who are putting these these initiatives in place, give them the help. Well, this is the idea behind the book. Mm. Let's let's communicate. How can we get across to people? This is how you do your recycling. We're going to go through the whole transition of recycling. Where can you send your recycled goods to opposed to the landfill scenario? How can we do it better? Let's become better at what we can do in saving this environment, yeah. you know, saving the planet. <laughs> we sound like a couple of those, oh, we must save the planet, it's one of those things. But it's true. I mean, there's very little that isn't recyclable. I mean, all you have to do is just put your head around it. Some people, I get so irritated when I go outside and they've got two dustbins outside their house and they're overflowing and nothing has been recycled. And they yeah. don't even think about the fact that, oh, well, those guys are coming and it'll keep them out of the dustbin because it'll be all really grubby and horrible. I mean, how much time does it take and how much effort does it take just to clean something up and put it aside into different bins? I find that it's actually a lot of the time the people who are more well off that actually have that attitude towards things. I tend to agree. But just think of the scenario. Everybody wants a new puppy. They mm. get the new dog. Everyone's yeah, happy, happy, happy. What happens is there's one person who's left holding the can. One person, nobody wants to pick up the doggy poo or clean up after the dog or whatever, and they all forget about that, and it lands on the shoulders of one person. Invariably, that's the woman. Yeah, well, thank goodness there are people like us around, because, yes, <laughs> I do the dogs and I do all the recycling. Now, when it comes to a magazine, many magazines I see have been actually taking everything online. There seems to be this thing that people don't want to buy magazines anymore, that they would rather go and read them online. Personally, I like to have something in my hands, something I can pick up and refer back to again. Also, because I just find that a lot of the time my eyes just take too much strain trying to read a phone. <laughs> it doesn't have that same tactile thing about it. But I know a number of publications have said, right, well, we want to be green, so we're not going to actually print a book anymore. It's all going to be just online. But there's also been studies that have been done where it's actually more somehow environmentally friendly to have a book, which is actually a physical thing in your hands, than to have it online, which it kind of is counterintuitive or counterintuitive, that way of thinking. And Theo, what do you think on that? Well, I had a look at that very carefully and the last couple of months I've been chucking the idea around, do I go digital, do I go hard copy? At the end of the whole thing, we are going to go both digital as well as hard copy. Mm -hmm. The hard copy is going to be a smaller print run. At any stage, should we want to increase our print run, that is going to be determined by the demand of the publication. Mm -hmm. Why hard copy? So many people love to just grab that copy off the shelf, mm. whether they're catching an aeroplane, whether they're um, going to sit down quietly at a coffee shop or whatever, they want to have their own time. It's their time they can escape. Trying to do that on a device is not as easy or it doesn't have that kind of feeling that you really like getting engrossed in it mm. as what you would with a hard copy. We've looked at it very carefully in terms of the kind of paper that we will be printing on. So nothing glossy at all, because glossy prevents us from going biodegradable, should mm, we say. Mm. So we, we need to make it a lot more user-friendly from that point of view. 
on saying that, I really wouldn't like my magazines to be <laughs> dumped into compost. But, well, you know, <laughs> they're going to go that way one way or the other. But I mean, if it's a really you know quality magazine, I, I know I tend to keep, I mean, I've got magazines I've kept from the 80s, believe it or not, because I liked the magazine or I liked what was in that particular magazine and I've kept them. I mean, of course, one doesn't throw away Rolling Stones. So we should be actually looking at the same thing. This is not going to be a magazine like any of the others. It's not a gardening magazine. It's not a health magazine. It's not a fashion magazine. It's something completely different. And I think it's something which actually really speaks to not just the the boomers amongst us, but also the youth of today in terms of how to be funky while still actually being eco-friendly. I think so. I agree with you. What we need to do and what our intention is, is to have easy to read articles, nothing heavy, no heavy political stuff. There's not going to be any of that. It's got to be Mm. easy to read, easy to digest, that it almost, the light bulb hits every article that reads, that whether it's going to be something on gardening, that the person realizes and says, oh, I shouldn't have that plant in my garden, Mm. the reasons why you shouldn't have it, or whether you're starting your recycling transition, how to go through your transition, because recycling is a journey. Mm. And that's what we need to get across. And that's what we are going to get across. We're going to talk about things like know your symbols, understanding the symbols. Many people see symbols on bottles. They've got no clue what that symbol stands for. So we will definitely be talking about that. We'll encourage that. And that will always be an ongoing article. Mm. And there's also, I mean, there will be obviously things like, you know, beauty and uh, fashion from the point of view of what fabrics are coming in and, you know, how you can be more environmentally friendly with your clothing and recycling your clothing as well. I mean, it's now, I know I've got teenagers and they would rather go thrifting than actually go and buy something new, which is rather pleasant. And then also the benefits of having a holistic, natural and organic approach when it comes to beauty and, and beauty products as well. Yes. We're excited about that. The one article that we will be doing is with regards to the makeup. And we're going to be talking about the beauty industry. No more lip service. We don't want lip service anymore. Mm. So if a company out there is making um, products that are all the containers that can be refillable, hey, let's talk about it. Mm. Let's get it out there. People want to start making those changes and those shifts. Let's look at that. Okay, and there's also things like, I mean, we don't even think about e-waste. I mean, I'm so obsessive compulsive about any battery that goes down immediately gets taken around to the supermarkets where they have all those recyclable bins for light bulbs and this, that and the other. I mean, I think everything in my house gets recycled and it's just become my way of thinking, mainly because I really can't stand litter. Mm. And having traveled around the world and seen how bad it is in so many other places as well, I just want to do something about it here. Well, here's the thing. There was a huge campaign a couple of years ago about the light bulbs and then the batteries, etc. And that seems to have died down quite a lot. Mm. Where are those bins? What does one do with it? So to start something, you can't just like be half pregnant. You're either going to do it fully, you <laughs> properly, or you're not going to do it. So at the end of the day, the consumer is really in a situation of not knowing and where to mm. and how to. So if we can assist and give that information, we that's what our aim is. Our aim is to help and change someone's perspective of the environmental issues on hand. Okay, but people also have to understand, if you're listening right now, that we're not a bunch of complete weirdos who only wear hemp clothing and not, you know, those knotted sandals and don't drink coffee. 
well, some of us don't drink coffee just because we don't like coffee, but we're not those kind of people. We're just normal people who actually just feel that there's everybody should be making this difference. I mean, one of the things, palm oil's been in the, the news so much recently, especially with not just from the point of view of whether it's good for you or, or bad for you, and coconut oil as well. You know, Should you be putting it in? There's people who say yes, and you get the stories about why you shouldn't have it in. It's also things about how the deforestation in Indonesia, when they burn the palm forests down in September, taking out the orangutans and the pall of smoke, and it's not just in Indonesia, it goes as far as Singapore, the whole way through Thailand for a whole month. You know, they've got that incredible smoky atmosphere where you can't even see a city block. And you have the prime minister or president of Indonesia saying, for the rest of the year, we are the lungs of the world. You can give us one month where we can go and burn our forests down. You wonder if that is a good example to be setting and how we can actually make people aware of what is happening in the rest of the world and what you can do about it as well. Exactly. I mean, it's been like somebody saying, well, I don't smoke, but I don't mind sitting in a restaurant where somebody is smoking and I become this passive smoker. Mm. It's the same concept. You either do it or you don't. You stop it or you just don't carry on with it. Yeah. It's up to, it's up to every single individual out there what they must do. And we also, when we're talking about having your life in balance, it also has to do with like things like gut health and how your body health is actually working, not just about exercise, but how people will eat and what is good to eat and where to eat something which is good. It's not going to be all just about being vegan, obviously. No, 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 no. We're going to talk about the difference between being a vegetarian, veganism, plant-based, because those are three different um, issues that people tend to get confused. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about, of course, we're going to talk about meat. I mean, if articles and recipes, we've got lovely recipes with meat, of course we're going to put it in mm. there. It, this has got nothing to do with, well, because I'm now environmentally friendly and whatever, I've now got to become a vegan or vegetarian or plant-based. It's got nothing to do with that. And the, those all add great. I mm. mean, the, yes, they help towards climate change. Absolutely. And also about being aware of if you're eating fish, where it's coming from and whether it's on the red list or the orange list or the green list, whether you can eat it or not, just to make sure that you're not doing the wrong thing. And, you know, maybe even pointing fingers at other people and saying, no, 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 you shouldn't be having this. Why have you got this fish here? I think in South Africa, they're pretty good at do doing that, apart from the poachers, obviously. Exactly. Now, what's happening is that there's a joke about that you, when you go to the fishmonger and you get your fish, he might say to you, but there's, that fish has got more plastic. Yep. So, I mean, it's quite a daunting <laughs> prospect if you think about it, that products are more humans are now consuming more, more plastic, more plastic. And that's through the goods that they buy. That is a scary thought indeed. I mean, that's why so many of us are really keen on growing our own vegetables at home as well, even or just our own herbs or whatever we can. And there has been in the gardening industry this incredibly huge groundswell of people wanting to grow their own. And you see that it has become so big with your consumers coming in and demanding stuff and the fact that the producers are listening and actually bringing out all of these new fruit ranges or all of these new vegetable ranges or herbs. You can pretty much get anything these days and it's been bred that you can grow it in your area. Mm. And everybody says, oh, no, but I will only plant indigenous. And I'm like, you don't want to grow food. But I mean, there's no growing food apart from African traditional medicine foods that were initially kind of indigenous to South Africa or anywhere else mostly in the world. 
I keep on thinking about what on earth did Italians do before tomatoes got to them in the 1600s? What did they have for food in those days? I, this a is a question. Point. Yes. I need to know these things. And before Marco Polo came and brought back spaghetti and pasta to the Italians, what did they eat? <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> Truffles. <laughs> so, I mean, the whole thing is, 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 is not only to kind of get people to read the mag, it's also to get them to change their lifestyle. And it's also to get them to tell you what kind of things they would like to see happening and have a, a database of where they can take things to as well. What we are going to be doing is we're going to be talking about and interviewing organizations where they're making a big change, mm. corporates that are making changes, and individuals. There might be some young school person who's really done this fantastic innovative or come up with an innovative idea. We'd love to talk about that. If it's environmentally friendly, hey, let's talk about it. Mm. But if companies are making a difference, we need to talk about it. Let's talk to the consumer about it. Let them know about it. There are companies who's really looking at the eco-environment and their own working environment. We need to talk to those companies. Why are you making that difference? For what reason? Mm. And maybe there's a a thought process behind the whole thing that it will start changing and rubbing off on their own staff. Well, I'll tell you what, we can change the world. We can. We can, just one person at a time. It's like eating an elephant. Not that I want to eat an elephant, but one can do it. Yeah, that's going to be a one bit One bite big. at a time, yeah. <laughs> All right, so if people want to get hold of you, how do they do so, Anthea? They can get hold of me on anthea at ecobalancelifestyle.com. Okay, that's fantastic. I've got the prototype of the book at the moment. The first issue... And the kind of things that you can look into and see. Wellness section, yoga. I mean, we, I love yoga and, and Pilates, so I like the idea of that. How is that going to go down? Well, we're going to have somebody who's going to be doing the different steps in mm. yoga. And I think that will be a lovely idea to how do you start doing yoga? And we will be talking to someone who does Pilates, who teaches Pilates. I've got a big smile on my face. Exactly. <laughs> Okay, so there's lots of stuff, how to upcycle, how to recycle, how to build, how to garden, how to get your life in balance. Wishing you the best of luck with this. Thank you. And as Anthea said, if you want to get hold of her to get involved with the magazine, Anthea at ecobalancelifestyle.com. Don't miss out on it, and we'll catch you again next time. Bye-bye. For show notes and more information about this episode, go to solidgoldstudios.co.za forward slash grounded.